Hi, Jeff. Yes, Parai. It is good to have you on the Dreamer series today. I've been really looking forward to having you come and share your story. And to the people listening today, Jeff is one of our super brilliant scholars from Uganda. And it is an absolute pleasure for me to have Jeff here today so that we're able to kind of hear his, his story, how far he's come, where he's come from, um, but more talk about how our journeys intertwined uh, over the past couple of years and where Jeff is going as, as, as you know, a young person with, with big visions, which you get to hear. So super excited to hear your story, Jeff. I, I know you are also sharing it for the first time uh, to, to, to a bigger audience. So I'm just eager to for you to answer this question. Who is Jeff? Where is he from? And what is he all about? Well, thank you for that introduction. I'm really pleased to be here sharing my story for the first time to this kind of audience. I've been longing for such an opportunity because there is no story if there is no one who listens to it. So I'm glad that I have an audience to listen to mine today. Well, my name is uh, Jeff Agenoma. I'm 23 years old currently, and uh, I'm a graduate from uh, Makere University with uh, a degree in environmental health science. Uh, currently, I'm a researcher with uh, the Trauma Injury and Disability Unit, Disability Unit of uh, the same school that I studied in. Uh, it was a process that I went through after finishing my final exams that I was taken up by one of my mentors whom I identified uh, as part of my growth, my career growth. So he, he took me up and he, he brought me up to the team. And ever since I've been challenged by the daily tasks of being a researcher and chasing this dream I've been longing for. Well, I'm, I'm a country boy. I grew up from the Western part of the country. I've not been much in the city, but Right now, I'm working in the central region of Uganda. Uh, the work we do is mainly research. And research, when someone talks about research, it's broad. But I will define it in my own way. Uh, this is all about finding the, the basic ways of solving community problems by listening to people, understanding what there is, because most time we find that many people are out there claiming that they are working and yet in real sense, the impact of their work or maybe the solutions they derive do not fit the final person down. Well, in research, you get to understand the reasons, the details, and maybe that's why I like this kind of work because I go down, I go down 
to the to an individual and mm. use that person's understanding of a context to understand the wider problem that is facing maybe the community or even the whole country. I'll give you so, an example. Okay. So I'll give you this example. When they talk about maybe drowning, currently very many people drown in our country, uh, Uganda, one of the lakes that we've been working around, uh, on average, we had uh, about at least a death in a day. At, in a day, there was at least wow. a death around the landing site. And sometimes it's not reported even. So, so you're saying people are dying every single day? Yeah. Which lake is this? Uh, that's Lake Albert, located mm. in the western region of the country. Okay, I think we're we are gonna go deep into this, Jeff. So you you spoke a bit about you growing up in the countryside. What was it like growing up in the countryside in Uganda? What 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 are some of the memories that you have growing up and what made you go to Makerere University? And, and for context sake, Makerere University is one of the most recognized universities in East Africa and, and across the African continent in general, and the best university in Uganda. How did you prepare yourself to get into Makerere University? And while they, did you always know that you were going to get into this uh, trauma research? What, what was that process like? Well, I don't know, but I had this love because Makere University has been the cream of the country. And I felt that that's the place I belong to. So all my choices when I was back in high school, I made all my choices to be at Makere University. I didn't want to go at any other university because that's the dream, like that's where I went, I wanted to be. So I worked towards that. I remember uh, because I studied all my all my pre-university studies were up country. So after my form four, I performed very well. Uh, but during my A-level, advanced level, the performance went down, I didn't perform so well because of self-esteem and other social issues that I faced back then. But I had this one thing that kept ringing in my head. If I could get at least some points that would take me to Makere University, I will not leave off that chance. That's how I got some, I got fair grades, then applied to the university and gratefully I got the third choice course on my list. And and what, what were your first two choices? Uh, the first choice was medicine and surgery. Uh, the second choice was uh, a bachelor's in pharmacy. And my third choice was environmental health science that I ended up doing. So Given that, you know, and, and one of the interesting things I've been thinking about lately is this idea that, you know, we live in a world where young people 
are only evaluated on one spectrum, which is what grades did you get, right? And, you know, you spoke about how you did well in your O-levels and then you did, in your A-levels, your grades kind of went down uh, because of the social challenges that you're facing in that time. But kudos to you for having the resilience, right? And actually turning up for the exam and still performing well. And I connect specifically to that because when I was in Form 4, I I had a similar situation where, you know, my mom had just passed away and I still had to write the exam. So all this bereavement that is happening and the grief in the background, it's not communicated on your transcript, right? And sure. But the world comes to you and says, hey, look, you're not smart enough because you didn't tick all these boxes. But I think when you actually look at the profile of someone who has potential to achieve something in their life beyond having the academic ability, it's also them having this ability to be resilient, ability to network, like what you're saying, which is to, you know, get the mentors that will get you into the jobs that you will ultimately flourish in. And also just a, a, an idea of ambition. What is it that they're seeking? You're, you already had this idea in your mind that this is where I'm headed to. I want to get to my career. So I always think about that and how probably the world needs to start thinking broad about how they evaluate talent. Because I, I, I would bet that if you got any of the of the options that you got, you'd still do incredibly well. True. Well, I I have, from my experience, actually, I've come to believe that grades are not are not the equivalent of my potential. Mm. Because I've always been an average performer, and yet I've been among the finest when it comes to a specific aspect of academia, maybe. Because... Uh, from the topics maybe we, we we are taught, you can find like I'm among the best students in one aspect, and yet, averagely, you take my performance as moderate. I'll be among the average students, and yet, in one aspect, I've always been the best or among the best. So, I really believe that grades uh, do not define fully someone's potential and it goes back down to the system that we are being groomed in in that if you if you believe in the grades you get you will never see your full potential because you that is so powerful that is so powerful because in the end you find yourself at a point whereby you're strained by the grades you feel like you can't achieve your best, you're not among the best. And yet you there's some aspect within your grades that portrays that you're the best at something. So for you, what was that? What what was that something? Well, um I've liked, I don't know why, but I'm someone who likes knowing and I take time reading and understanding practical con- concepts. Back in high school. In high school, I did a, a combination with physics, chemistry, and biology. All these subjects had the practical aspect 
that was within them. And with no doubt, I performed far better in the practical papers than the theoretical papers. I don't know, I don't know how, but I found myself enjoying the hands-on, the creativity, something that allows me to use my own understanding and display it in the way that I want it. So it kept on building. And I think that's how I find myself within the research, the research field, because research is full of constant thinking challenges. Uh, you, you want to feel, you want to express your ideas the way you, you feel. So it's more than just going by the script that this is this, like historical facts, let me say, because history can't be changed at this point. I was not that type. I was the type that wants to see something and try to be creative and understand how I can maybe develop something from that product or maybe this, this material, how can I put it into use? Well, that caused me a lot of trouble when I was young, actually. I had to... Who was it causing trouble with? Uh, with my parents and my other siblings, because I found myself spoiling a lot of gadgets at home. I would open up our phones, <laughs> radios. <laughs> yeah, I was, I always wanted to know and I wanted to try to fix something. So I'll give you an example when an old radio maybe was working, but not so well, I would open it up. Then in opening it up, I would fail to put it back. <laughs> well, in the end I would spoil it, but that was like when I was still in primary, I even didn't know how to use the, the, the different components of these things, but I always wanted to see what's in there, what makes it work that way. Mm. I understand, and I wanted to be more creative. If it works this, this way, can't I use it in this other way? So, where, so where, where do you get this? Where do you get, sorry to intercept, but where, where do you get this curiosity? Is this something that you learned? Is this something that you think you're born with? How does a young person from the countryside of Uganda wake up and think, I'm going to open this electrical gadget so that I can see what happens? Where, where, where does that come from? Well, it goes back to what I first told you. I have an inborn curiosity. And I have the constant feeling of being innovative. I, I want to know. I have that urge. I feel... I feel compelled to know more every other day. I actually have a slogan that I use called doubling up. I believe that in knowing, if you knew twice the knowledge you have, if you knew twice about something, you'd almost produce four times the results if if you, give, if you are given the chance. I'll give you an example, this slogan of mine. If, if I read my book twice, I'll understand it twice as much as I can. So in, in, if I go for an exam maybe, and I got maybe the first time I got 50, 
and my I'm trying to double up. In the end, I want to get a hundred. So mm. I want to get twice as much. That's why I always want to do it extra. I'm doing mm. two it's times so interesting. More, two times more. It's so interesting you mentioned this because um I've heard people who would say, Hey, I I'm reading this book for the second, third time. And every single time they repeat the process, they actually discover things that they had not seen at the beginning. So that only reinforces and solidifies the idea and the facts of what they're researching or, or, or reading into, which, which I find very interesting because I think we also live in a culture where repetition and routine is not is frowned is frowned upon. It's like I need to do this once and, and finish and, and move to the next thing. But actually you solidify and sort of like make the picture clearer the more you 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 double up as as you say. Yeah. So the, the the secret about doubling up is that you look at one aspect, then you understand it to the details. Then it goes down to how best do I know this one thing? Um, during my time at school, during my time, okay, I'm still a young man, as many people call me where I work. But I am someone who knows something very well that I can challenge you on that one aspect only. Well, many people, when we are arguing, I like arguing, by the way. Arguing has improved my, my mm. the way I debate and even presenting presenting myself because I had low esteem back then when I was in school. Mm. But now I can stand in front of a crowd. I can. How, how did you get out of that low esteem? Well, it goes down to my peers, how I interacted with them. We had, uh, we always challenged each other in form of verbal utterances uh most times uh these guys would challenge i'll be like jeff you cannot do this <laughs> so i had this let me let me prove to these guys that they, are, they don't know whom they are talking to mm. we had days where we would argue about one topic one topic and what what kind of topics were you arguing about at first it was soccer then uh-huh. at some points it was biblical. Mm. Some other days we would argue about scientific facts, but not so much into that. Mostly it was politics, social life, and soccer. So especially the soccer part. <laughs> I, mean, I, good, see. I love soccer. And and so what kind of soccer, what kind of soccer arguments would, would you have? Well, we wanted to prove each other who knew more facts. <laughs> well, yeah. you had to go and do your research and come with hard facts. For example, an Arsenal fan would come and say in the 2022-23 season, 2002-2003 season, we were unbeaten. So you had to dismantle his fact by bringing another fact or disapproving that his fact is not one of the biggest. Mm. So it gave us that constant challenge 
and uh, it helped us build on our esteem. And it worked so well with me because at first I wouldn't stand that pressure of being challenged by maybe five, six, seven people. But now I think I can withstand more than that because in... But Jeff, I want to know, where, where do you get this idea of... But some people just be told, hey, you don't have the best facts. Keep quiet. And they're like, okay, yeah, it's fine. But for you... Where do you get that chip on your shoulder to say, I want to prove myself? Where did that come from? I'm very eager to hear. Uh, because for many young people, it's like, yeah, my friends say I don't have the best facts. I can't debate soccer. So that's done. But for you, where where, where does that chip on your shoulder come from? I don't like giving up. I just realized that I don't want to give up. So I'll always find a comeback. Ah. Uh, it's not always about coming back because mm. well, you can bounce back, you can disapprove someone and you win the argument, but you have not won actually. Mm. You've, you've given in your facts and you've won, but the other party is not, doesn't credit you for that. So it still doesn't feel good that you made the comeback. Yeah. I My approach is always I want to be the best. I want to be the best. So unless you accept that I've beaten you hands down, mm. unless I feel like I argued this to the best of my capability, I don't feel like it was worth it. So, so want... have you been this competitive? Have you been this competitive for a while? Like, do you, did you pay? Did you play competitive sport in in high school or primary? Where did this competitive nature come from? Well, I didn't. I didn't involve myself so much in athletics and games at school. I was a good. I was a good footballer, but I didn't have the chance to play for my school team or even home team where I stayed. Because I was young, I was the youngest member of the team, and something unfortunate happened when I was in my form one. Actually, it was form two. Um, I liked celebrating so much. So after dribbling past four defenders, I scored a goal. Then I went and tried a backflip. In that process, I I fell on my arm and got a dislocation. So when I went home. Wow. My parents had to sit me down and talk to me about soccer and how much time I was putting in soccer that made me to lose out on academia. So mm-hmm. I had a decision to make to either continue with soccer and athletics or focus on books. So I think after that, I turned to academia and we had a click, we would compete internally, we would compete with each other, but also yourself, you would compete with, you could, you would compete internally. You wanted to be the best in a subject. Mm. My subject was always chemistry. I loved chemistry. My sister made me love chemistry. She was always the best in her class and she was ahead of me. So when I joined high school, I got that record that she had set. 
so I had a record to beat. I had to beat her record, but also beat my own personal records. Mm. And I remember there was a time that uh, I got, I got, I think, a uh, hundred, a hundred in two papers. Mm. Yeah. No, that was history. That was history. For chemistry, I was the best in, in both papers with a, a difference, a big difference in the, from the second. Uh, well, I had papers I dominated, like I've told you. Mine was chemistry. And, and what are the papers that you didn't dominate in? Well, like, do you remember having, like, your lowest grade in any subject? Yeah, English. <laughs> really? <laughs> so, actually... English was my worst, not because that uh, I I I I didn't like it, but I had some characters that I had not developed back then. I was lazy at reading. I was lazy at writing. Up to now, those are some of the traits I'm trying to build. So I these days I write a lot. I write articles. I try to write in my notebook. I try to be creative in my writings mm. and i read more books actually uh like since this year began i challenged myself i said at least every month i should read two books um so which books have you read now i can list them but the year started when i was reading uh david goggins his book on mm. Can't Hurt Me. yes i know that i read that then I read uh, another book by Atomic Habits. I've forgotten the author. Mm. Atomic Habits. Then I yeah. also read uh, how, how to Make Your Bed. Make Your Bed, actually. It's Make Your Bed by uh, a Navy SEAL, one of the SEALs who wrote mm. that. Atomic then, Habits is by James Clear. Yeah, James Clear. Mm-hmm. Then I'm reading Steve Jobs by... Walter Isaac, Isaac, Isaacson, Isaac, Isaacson. Yeah. 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 So let's go back, Jeff, to when you decided to join Shasha. It was 2021? Yes, 2021, January. What, what, what made you want to join Shasha? And, and, and take us through some of the experience that you've gone through whilst doing Shasha. Um, Why did you join Shasha? What are some of the highlights or you know experiences that you've you've had whilst now part of this lifelong network? You are one of the most active people in our network. Um, what 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 has motivated you? What have you learned? If there's anything that you've learned, well, Shasha, I came to know about Shasha Network through a friend of mine. He recommended that I should do that program because I had asked him for any courses that would help me to build my career. I actually didn't know anything about the network until I applied for it and joined. Ever since I joined the program, uh, I can describe the network as a safe place, but whenever I feel like talking to someone, sharing my thoughts without being judged, I always have that audience. The network is not only my support system, but it's a place where I can I can be creative. I can be challenged by some other person's innovation. Uh, you know, through the through the program, I got in touch with uh, several other peers 
younger than me and some are my age mates who are doing various kind of things. Um, but we are all in one struggle. We are trying to achieve our best. I've interacted with most of my colleagues that I studied with the program. And every time I talk to them, they're always asking me, Jeff, what's new? What's new? What are you up to? What, how have you been? What new thing are you working on? Mm. Things like that. You know, there's that constant challenge. So in, in this network, you're, you're always there trying to be something better. You're trying to be someone better because everyone is trying to be better. And it, it feels just like a, a safe space. I can call it a safe space for a creative mind and someone like me who always wants this constant challenge. And in terms of like the courses that you did whilst doing Bridge, is there any particular one that struck out as the stood out as the most engaging or the one that you're like, oh my God, I didn't know I needed this. And how have you used that later on in your life? Well, my favorite course actually was uh, self-discovery. I didn't know much about myself. I knew I would see the kind of things I would, I would envision the things I'm capable of, but I wasn't doing that much to achieve what I'm capable of. During this self-discovery module, there's one question that kept coming up. What am I best at? Or what is my best, what's my full potential? Up to now, I still ask myself that same question. What is my full potential? And I've never, I've not yet answered it. From the book I've been reading, uh, Steve Jobs by Walter Isaac Isaacson. He mm. describes Steve Jobs as someone, as a Zen who had mastered, he was a, a personal master of his own. Because Jobs at one point went for, actually, Steve Jobs is someone who, who was always meditating. And he mastered the art of meditating, but he mastered his own self. Now, for my case, I'm still in that process. I don't know what I'm capable of. And it's taking me a lot of time mm. to look down through myself and challenge myself and try to achieve that which I'm capable of. Well, the current strategy I'm using is that I have targets that I set. Every time I get a new task, a new role uh, from, my, from my bosses and people I'm working with, I want to go that extra mile and do something that will make me stand out. So most times when, for example, I'm told to 
to maybe organize an event. I want to do it better than anyone else. When I'm given a task, I want to complete it within the shortest time and I want to do it with the greatest efficiency. Because I believe that I can do it. I believe I have the potential. So in doing so, I find myself in a space whereby I'm believing more in myself and I'm, I'm just getting to do better. So self-discovery is something that I really think is key in this transition that I'm still going in. And every other day, I'm still discovering myself. And, and on this theme of self-discovery, to what extent do you think self-discovery or self-belief has been or is currently a barrier for many young people to actually achieving their goals? Because there's a lot of, I speak to so many Shasha scholars and they're like, now I have this self-belief, I have this self-belief. Why do we not talk about self-belief as a barrier to self-achievement and self-fulfillment? Well, you'll never believe in yourself unless you start looking at things differently. You need to first step aside from your actual self and look at yourself from another perspective of what am I and where am I? Or maybe where I want to be. If you look at those parameters, you'll discover that where you are is different from where you have to be. So you will start working towards where you want to be. In that, you, it's a gradual process. And it's a process that you should follow every step if you have to reach where you have to be. It's not going to be an instant thing that you jump from maybe being the, the, the lowest student in the class to the top student in the class. You just have to know that I have to do maybe this constantly. I'll give you an example of my experience when I was in A-level. For the first exams that I did in term, actually it was end of term one, form six, I got one point out of 20 points. I was among mm -hmm. the worst students. I was among the last students in our class. The next term started when I was among the most notorious students in class and the worst performing student in the whole class. When I discovered that I'm doing this bad and I don't belong there, I had to devise a strategy. And my strategy was, I can teach myself all these things. If I can't teach myself, I can always talk to someone a friend of mine who helped me for the easy topics 
I studied them alone. And most times I would prefer reading at night. So every time preps would be done, people would go to sleep. I would go back to class and read from maybe uh, 10 up to like one. I read my books, I read them again, over and over again. Soon my teacher started noticing an improvement in my performance. From the worst student, I started getting, because my worst mark that time was zero five. <laughs> I can't forget that, zero five. <laughs> I started improving from five, I got a 20. From 20, I went to 40s. From 40, I touched a 60. By the end of, by the time we sat for our final exams in November, I felt within me that I was capable of even getting a 19 or a 17 out of 20 points. Well, my performance fell short from my expectations. I ended up getting 12 out of 20 points. I was the best student from my combination because we had different combinations. Then I was so, among... So for context's sake, you have four subjects, right? And each subject has five, 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 five to make it 20, correct? We have, yeah, we have, we have three subjects. Yes. Each contributing six. Okay. Then we have two other subsidiaries. So makes sense. Makes sense. And this is for your A-levels. Yeah, that's my A-level. Makes so sense. I found myself at this point whereby a 12 out of 20, it was average, but it was far better than the one point I got in first term. I did that in less than less than six months. I did that in two, in two terms, changing my one point into 12. And that's what got me to Makere. Wow. No, I like I like your story, Jeff, because I think you own that process of becoming the person that you are. And I I really appreciate even the examples that you're giving going forward. Now, as you're about to come to the end of this conversation, the first question I have for you is: so what what what's your big vision for the future? What's your big vision for the future? What would you like to have more access to for you to get to that definition of yourself that you you look in the mirror and you say, that can be my fullest potential? So where are you going and what ingredients or support do you need to get there? Okay, thanks. That's, that's really something that I would like to talk more about because I've realized the use the importance of act actually having systems around you that can support you as you build on yourself. And I'll mention one of the things that I've been using, those are the mentors. Um, I'm so strategic when it comes to getting mentors. I always want to get a mentor 
who is my friend. I, I feel like having a friend as my mentor makes me more open and has worked so well for me because I have built more esteem first with them, my mentors, then with myself, because this is someone who is going to sit you down and correct you from the least thing that you mind about. I'll give you an example of uh, me typing. Like I always abbreviate words when I'm typing on my social media. And one of my mentors told me, you're used of typing short forms and it's not nice. Mm. Is it and because when you receive feedback from your friend, it's more easier to accept than if it's from a stranger coming and saying, hey, the, your use of this type of short form writing is not good. Yeah, yeah. When you're talking to your friend, even if it's he speaks it jokingly, you, you, you always take it up as serious because this person doesn't have, I can say maybe any other interest. He's your friend. He's genuinely your friend. If there's something wrong, he's going to speak it out that fast. If there's something right, he's going to appreciate you. So I feel like having more mentors around me will help me build more. And I want these friendly mentors. I want someone whom I can interact with, someone whom I can open up to, someone whom I can maybe hang out around and we have that social connection because I realized I learn more through even just sitting around people whom I want to be like. So that's one thing I feel like could help me build through, build on my, on my, on my, on me, on myself. Then something else I feel uh, is worth trying is I want to get bigger challenges. I want to get someone. Okay, for Steve Jobs, he had his friend, uh, wo, wo, his name was called Was. Was. Yeah, was, yeah. Was, yeah. yeah. Was is Jobs' partner. Like they always had that challenge between themselves. I've never met that person. I've never met my Was. <laughs> I've never met that Was. So I just want. I, because I'm competitive in nature, naturally, I'm so competitive that whenever I'm seated with my colleagues, I'm always challenging them or they are challenging me. I feel it's more interesting when I interact with someone in a challenging way. So I find myself in that kind of uh, relationship with my colleagues. And most times it has not yielded much as friendship or maybe even uh, achievements because I have not had that, that, that person who will challenge me that much. Well, you don't have, it's not a must that maybe um, I should be like Steve Jobs or was, but at this point I feel because of my competitive nature, I just like having that challenge. Whether it's within my, is it's between me, it's me and me or, me and someone, I want to have that group of peers or something that will help build that challenge around me. 
that one helps me put out my best wow no thing thanks a lot for sharing that jeff and really appreciate you taking time to share your story and going in depth on all fronts and ends i have learned from you that there's definitely power in a couple of things and and is even as you re share some of these lessons that you've gotten from the books that you're reading i think number one is the power of repetition and continuing to involve yourself with the process for the benefits of self-improvement and number two that comeback spirit that you've always had the fig that you're not willing to accept the finite the final decision where you are still not on top you're not the one that you know is 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 achieving their goals so i really admire that comeback spirit and and i think thirdly i i just like your level of introspection in terms of you reflecting your journey through the eyes of even the people around you i think peers have really played a very big role in your journey and i think this is some of the stuff that we're trying to really articulate with Shasha, which is around this idea of peers and self and more also how we navigate society and how our placement in certain environments and contexts really helps us define and have a sharper picture of who we want to be. So thank you so much, Jeff, for making time. And we cannot wait to see what the future holds for you. So I really appreciate you taking the time to speak to me and to share your story. And uh, we, we are always behind you and will continue to support you to achieve your goals and your aspirations. Thank you. Thank you so much, Farai. Have a good day. And uh, do you have any final thoughts that you'd want to share? Well, if there is someone else like me out there, I'll just, I'll just urge them to keep focus on themselves because I've realized the more time you spend with yourself, the more time you try to understand yourself, you're actually building on yourself because in the end, you're measuring every aspect of your, of your, of your potential by using, calibrating it against yourself. So in the end, you want to be better every day, every other day by making those different aspects within yourself better. So you just have to focus within yourself. Look at your weaknesses, look at your strength, try to be better, try to make something better, but something better every day. You'll get something, something significant at the end. Yeah. Thank That's you so much, Jeff. Thank you for your nice words and your wisdom. We wish you all the best. And to everyone listening, if you'd like to learn more about the Bridge program, it is now available online at bridge.shashanetwork.com. It is open. It is free. You can log onto the platform and be able to access all this repository of content and information to help you better yourself, to understand who you are, and to set yourself apart in terms of what your core capabilities are. We cannot wait to welcome our next speaker. Stay tuned for more as we will be releasing more of these Dreamer series and talking to 
the really inspiring young people in our network. Thank you so much and have a lovely day. Bye-bye.